Thank you, Mr. Pagan. Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 6. Romans, chapter 6, and our Bibles here this morning. I do want to invite you to be back tonight. Uh, we have our communion service planned for tonight. And, of course, it's one of two ordinances that our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, commanded us as his followers to partake in. And we'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper here tonight. And uh, it's a wonderful service. Normally I'll come down and I'll speak from down in front for a short period of time. We'll sing together and then we'll follow our Lord and Savior's command. And so I encourage you to be back and be a part of that. A couple of weeks ago I talked about and we looked from the Word of God at what some of what the Bible says about baptism. And specifically we considered water baptism and what it means and how that word, our English word baptism or to be baptized comes from a Greek word. We didn't have a word in English, and so they took the Greek word baptizo, baptizo, and, uh, and they transliterated it. Uh, they used English letters uh, as best they could, and they created a word, baptism, because English didn't, the English language didn't have a word for baptism. And so uh, baptism means to be immersed or submerged in water. And a couple of weeks ago, we considered that. And we looked at some of the commands in Scripture to be baptized. And most of you this morning probably have been baptized biblically, uh, not being sprinkled or not having water poured on you. But the word baptism in the Bible means to be immersed, to go under the water. And, uh, and uh, we, a little, we considered a little bit why that's so important, because baptism, as we've been commanded to be baptized by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, is a picture. It's an illustration of a spiritual reality. It's an outward illustration of an inward or a spiritual reality. When we come to Romans uh, chapter 6, we really come to a chapter of climax. Now, I'm not preaching through the book of Romans today. Uh, we're just looking at uh, a few verses in chapter 6. But when we come to chapter 6, it really is the climax of the entire book of Romans, which is a, a deep, rich, doctrinal book. It's very rich in doctrine. Uh, many uh, theologians and commentators refer to the book of Romans as the Mount Everest of the Bible. And uh, I heard one pastor introduce the series as he began a series preaching through the book of Romans. And he said, like those who attempt to climb Mount Everest, um, some don't make it. They give up and they turn back. And others die along the way. And some of you are probably going to die before I finish the book of Romans in the study. And, uh, and I thought that was a little intense for an introduction to a, a, a study of a book of the Bible. But it is a very a rich book doctrinally. And chapter 6 is the climax. Uh, he, really, Paul had taken the first five chapters of, of the book of Romans to announce to us uh, the wonderful grace of God and the fact that we have been made righteous through the Lord Jesus Christ by God. And, uh, and then in chapter 6, he tells us that we need to live uh, up to the, the standard that we have been saved to live. We need to live that way. If we've been saved to be righteous, then we need to live righteous lives. And so right in the middle uh, of chapter 6 is a wonderful description of our salvation. And he uses the term baptism, or to be baptized. 
Now, he's not talking in chapter 6, he's not talking about water at all. He, he uses the term baptism, or to be baptized, which has the very same idea of water baptism, which means to be immersed. Water baptism means to be immersed into water, and then to be raised out of the water. Uh, but spiritual baptism, as he talks about in chapter 6, has nothing at all to do with water. Instead, what Paul says is, you have been immersed, plunged, you've been dipped, you've been baptized into Christ. And it is a rich chapter, it's an incredible chapter, that describes for us the salvation of God in some detail and what you and I who have received the Lord Jesus Christ have in Christ. Uh, the Bible talks about those who have received Christ have an inheritance. And uh, if I were to ask you, what is your inheritance? Uh, you, you've received Christ as your personal Savior, but what have you gained? What have you inherited? And we might talk about eternal life. We might talk about escaping the fire of hell and the damnation and, and eternal death of hell separation from God forever. And uh, if I were to ask you that question, what have you inherited? What is your inheritance in Christ? Well, Romans chapter 6 talks about this in, in, in some specific detail, and I'd like to explore it a little bit this morning, if, this morning if we could together. So let's look at our text in Romans chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse number 1. It's a deep passage. We're not going to flesh it all out this morning. But I want to, I want to draw out uh, four specific spiritual truths that you and I are reminded of, four realities that you're reminded of when we watch someone baptized in water. Let's uh, look at our text beginning in verse number one of Romans chapter six. It says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth or from now on we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, speaking about Christ, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, 
and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 14, we'll conclude with this. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. There's a lot in those 14 verses. We're not going to cover it all this morning, but I want to draw out four specific, really, truths that you and I are reminded of when we watch someone immersed in water, baptized in water. Four spiritual truths that have taken place in the life of every person that is saved. And let me ask you this question before I pray. Have you ever been saved from your sin? Have you ever been saved from your sin? Are you Christ's? Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. These are deep truths. And really, Father, in my flesh, it's impossible for me to adequately preach this passage. And it's impossible for us, no matter how long we've been saved and how many sermons we've heard, for us to understand these truths unless your Holy Spirit makes them clear to us this morning. Father, I believe with all my heart you want us to understand them, and so I'm asking that your Holy Spirit, by his sword, your word, would help us to know what we have in Christ, in salvation. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So the question this morning is, what do we have in Christ? You say, I, I, I can remember, Seth, the time in my life when I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And maybe for you, uh, you would go back to a church auditorium, maybe like this. Maybe it was in this auditorium where you prayed and received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I can go back to a time when I was just a five-year-old boy in downtown Detroit, Michigan, when I prayed and received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. You might have been at home. Maybe your mom led you to the Lord. Uh, and uh, you were just a small child, or maybe it was your father or a neighbor, wherever you were, when you received the Lord Jesus Christ, what did you gain through Christ? And really, uh, what water baptism reminds us of what we've gained in Christ. Number one, what have we gained in Christ? What does water baptism remind us of? It reminds us, first of all, that everyone who believes upon Jesus Christ for salvation is baptized into Christ. Water baptism, the first thing that we're reminded of when someone steps into the baptismal tank, we're reminded that when we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we were baptized or immersed into Jesus Christ. Notice in verse number 3 of, of chapter 6, he says, Know ye not, or don't you know this? And we might say this morning, no, I don't. Well, let's see what he says. Don't, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Now, we're going to get to the death part in just a few minutes. But he asked this question, don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ, or when you were baptized, or you were saved, you were baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as many of us as were baptized into Christ, it's a it's a term or a, a symbol, a picture that is it's a deep one, but it's something God wants us to understand. You see, when we see the word baptism or baptized, most often we think of water, don't we? That's what I think of when I think of baptism most of the time. But Paul's not talking about water in this passage. 
Uh, he's talking, uh, remember, water baptism is just an outward illustration of an inward or a spiritual reality. The word baptism means to immerse. And Paul's saying when you were saved by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, the very moment you were saved by God, you were immersed or baptized into Christ. Now, again, this is kind of a hard truth. This is not how we talk, but we can understand it. Now, maybe you've said this uh, to your children, moms. You've said, kids, don't bother daddy. He's immersed in his work. And, and then when the kids come to us, we say, go ask mommy, right? Uh, but, but when the kids ask mommy, they say, don't ask, don't bother daddy. He's immersed in his work. Uh, sometimes when a person loses a loved one, uh, in fact, oftentimes a person who loses a loved one is overcome with grief, and they're immersed in grief. You can't separate grief and that person, or that person from grief. They are one and the same. They're a grieving individual. That individual who who loses their loved one, maybe a husband or a wife or a child, is immersed. They're baptized into grief. Now, I'm using the biblical term baptized, in a way that we wouldn't normally do it, but that's the idea. They're immersed into grief. And the same is true for you and for me. Paul's saying you have been plunged into Christ. Notice again verse number 3, the beginning part. He says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ? And so the question this morning is, has you, have you ever been baptized into Christ? Well, how, how, how am I baptized into Christ? Do I need to get wet to be baptized into Christ? No. We're baptized into Christ by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And the moment that you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Paul's revealing something here that God wants us to know, and the church at Rome didn't know. And so he says, no, you're not. Don't you know this? That you have been immersed into Christ? You have been plunged into Christ. You see, Christianity is not just a religion where we give mental assent or agreement to certain facts or a doctrinal statement. Yep, I believe that. Check. Yes, I believe that. That was a good message. That wasn't a good message. Uh, I believe that. Don't believe that. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is a uniting of Jesus Christ and those who believe in him. Every single person who has ever been saved, was baptized, was immersed, was plunged into the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, the beginning part, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21, Paul makes a very literal statement. He says, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He says, it'd be be gain for me to die and go to heaven, or to go to be with my Lord for all of eternity. It'd be gain for me to do that. But as long as I'm living on this earth, Christ lives through me. You see, Paul understood that when he was saved, he was immersed or plunged, baptized into Christ. Paul was in Christ. Christ and Christ was in the Apostle Paul, and the same is true for every single one of us. 
in a very real way, Paul didn't know where he ended and Christ began outside of his flesh. In other words, for Paul to go give the gospel was for Christ to give the gospel. For Paul to preach a message was for Christ to preach a message. Um, I can say this for you as a man, if you're a born-again child of God, for you to love your wife like Christ loves the church and gave himself for it is for Christ to love your wife. For you to honor your husband is for Christ to honor your husband. For you to serve one another and love one another is for Christ to serve us and to love one another. This is this idea. It's it's a deep one. Paul, in Romans chapter 8, talks about that if any man is in Christ, the Spirit of Christ dwells within him. We literally have the living Christ by his Spirit living within us. We've been immersed or baptized into Christ. Galatians 3 and verse 27 develops this idea, and it gives us a little bit of clarity. It says this, For as many of you as have been baptized or immersed into Christ have put on... Christ. So whatever you do, if you're a born-again child of God, whatever I do as a born-again child of God, uh, in a way that is obedient and, and honoring and worshipful to the Lord, is really Christ working in me. And whenever I say no to him, that's my old wicked flesh working in me. For me to live is Christ. That's what God wants us to know. And when someone stands into the bapti- bapti- walks into the baptismal tank, and that's going to happen at the end of our service here this morning, when, as soon as someone steps down into the water, uh, it is a picture of Christ. And that person is publicly acknowledging to all of you that this has already happened in my life. I've received Christ, and when I received Christ, I was plunged into Christ. And he is in me. And when they step down into the water, it is a picture, a testimony, that they are in Christ. And it's a reminder to you and to me that when I received the Lord Jesus Christ, I became in Christ. And he is in me. You see, Jesus Christ is inseparable from his people. So again, think of this as you leave here today. Whatever I do in my life by way of obedience to God and honor to God and worship to God is Christ living in me. For me to live is Christ. And when, and when you receive Christ as your personal Savior, Christ took up residence in you. You were literally immersed into Christ. And by the way, that's, the, that's part of the reason why the Bible says and what Christ taught that uh, you ought to be careful how you treat fellow Christians. You remember what Christ said? He said, if you've done it unto the least of these, my children, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. That was a very literal, real statement. He's saying the way you treat a fellow brother and sister in Christ is the way you treat me. When you, when you, uh, when you gossip about a fellow brother and sister in Christ, you're gossiping about me. When you love and when you're generous and when you're sacrificial to a fellow brother or sister in Christ, you're, being sacri- you're sacrificing for me. You're, you're loving me. You're, 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 you're being giving to me. So the first truth is, uh, when we see someone baptized in water, we're reminded that everybody who believes upon Christ is in Christ. The second truth is this, and it's found in verse 3 also at the end. 
The second truth is this. Not only when we see someone baptized in water, are we reminded of the spiritual truth that when we receive Jesus Christ, we are in Christ. Secondly, we are reminded that we are baptized, not only immersed into Christ, but we are immersed into his death and his resurrection. Now, we don't think about this stuff all that often, do we? These are deep, heavy things. Uh, This morning, I woke up at 4.30 a.m., and I couldn't sleep. I was awake. And part of the reason for it was because I knew what I was going to be preaching on today, this morning. And I thought, you know, this isn't one of those messages that we all get goosebumps and... You know, it's just, woo, you know, that was great. You know, it's not a tickle, it's not a tickle me Elmo message, okay? It's, it's heavy, it's weighty, okay? And, and we, need, we need to be open to what Christ wants us to understand. When we were immersed into Christ, you can't be, when, when you were saved, you were immersed into Christ. You can't be immersed into Christ without being immersed into his death and resurrection. It's very important. You can't be immersed, you can't be baptized into Christ unless, you've been, unless you're baptized into his death and resurrection. Uh, in fact, this passage talks a lot about death. When you and I talk to someone about salvation, we don't often talk about death. We don't talk about that. We talk about life, and that's a big part of it, but death is also a big part of it. Notice it in our text in chapter 6. Notice in verse number 2. He says this, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin? What does he mean by that? Those who are saved are dead to sin. How are we, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? In verse number three, the latter part, he says this, uh, we'll start at the beginning. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Notice the beginning of verse number four. He says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Verse number five, the beginning part says this, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. Notice verse number six, the beginning part. And knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Notice verse number seven, For he that is dead is freed from sin. And then verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, notice verse number 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Notice verse 11, the beginning part, finally, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Wow, this is a lot of talking about death. That's kind of, that's kind of disappointing, discouraging, talking about death. I mean, when we think about our salvation, we don't often think about death. But the reality is this. When I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I was baptized into Christ. And you can't be immersed into Christ without being immersed into his death and his resurrection. Notice again, verse number three, the beginning part. Or, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. You can't be immersed in Christ without being immersed in his death. 
When you and I received Christ, we were immersed into his death. Here's the truth. When Christ died, he died in our place, didn't he? He was our substitute. He, he was in our place. He died in our place. So in effect, what God is saying is, it was your death too. The Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. The payment of sin is death. Did the Lord Jesus Christ ever sin? Why did he die? He died because we, did, we had to die. We had to die because we had sinned. Romans 5.8 says, uh, it talks about uh, how God commendeth. He showed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, yet carrying out sinful activities, Christ, who had never sinned, died for us. You see, God counted Christ's death as if it were our death. That's what he's saying in verse number three. Don't you know this? That so many of us, as we're immersed into Jesus Christ, talking about our salvation experience, we were also immersed into his death. Christ died in our place, and he died under the full fury of a holy and a righteous God. Christ completely paid the penalty for our sin. Christ died for our sins. And so when we received Christ, we were literally immersed into Christ and all that comes with Christ, his death and his resurrection. See, Christ died so the body of sin would be destroyed, it tells us in our passage. He died so that the body of sin, the dominion of sin, would be destroyed. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Look down to verses 4 and 5, because not only were we baptized or immersed into Christ's death, we were all also immersed into his resurrection, or baptized into his resurrection. Verse 4 and 5 says this, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. When someone steps down into the water, it's a picture that we've all, who have received Christ, have been immersed or baptized into Christ. We're in Christ. And when a person is saved, they're in Christ. And when we're in Christ, we've also been baptized into his death. We've been immersed into his death. In a very real way, uh, he's, he did it for us. But in that he died, we died. And not only that, but in that he lives, he rose from the dead, we too live. You know that we wouldn't be spiritually alive if Jesus Christ hadn't arisen from the dead? When, when the individuals this, this morning are, are brought up out of the water, you ought to be reminded in the depths of your soul, Christ lives, and I'm alive too, because he lives. You were baptized, you were immersed into Christ's death, and you were immersed into his life. The resurrection is not just a historical event. I imagine a congregation of this size this morning, there might, there might be some people here this morning who would say, I don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. 
there might be a few here this morning who would say, I don't know if I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I mean, literally. There might be some of us like that here this morning. Most of us here this morning would say, I believe that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. But, but you know, we have to understand this. The resurrection isn't just a historical event. It's a spiritual reality. It's not just something we look back and believe in. It's something in which we participate. He says here we walk in a newness of life. You see, we died when Christ died because God counted his death as if it were our death, and, when we, and we arose when he arose, because God counted his resurrection as if it were our resurrection. The penalty of sin, Jesus paid for. The justice of God was satisfied, and Christ came out of the grave, having satisfied the justice of a holy God against our sin. And that is the reason the Bible says he was raised for our justification, so that we could be declared to be righteous. Christ died for you. He was buried for you. He rose for you. Jesus didn't need to die for himself. Jesus didn't need to be buried for himself. He didn't need to to be uh, resurrected for himself. It was for you and for me. You see, I needed to die. And I needed to be given new life. And that can only be found in Christ. And so when I received Christ as a five-year-old boy, I didn't understand any of this stuff. But I was baptized into Christ, into his death, and into his resurrection. And so our new life is guaranteed. And that this is the spiritual meaning of the resurrection. And this is an immense truth. And by the way, Paul wanted the church at Rome to get a hold of this. He wants us to grasp. And maybe this morning you say, I haven't grasped anything. I'm kind of waving my arms a little bit, Pastor Ferguson. My thoughts are all over the place. I'm not sure I fully understand this. Well, then, then uh, tickle around the edges of the truth a little bit and, and think about it a little bit and, and ponder it and, and let it wash over you and ponder the truth that because Christ lives, you have life. Because he died, in that he died, you died with him. It's part of our salvation. Why don't we just say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm under grace and God has forgiven all my sin and and, uh, he's just going to keep forgiving it until I die, so I'm just going to be careless about how I live. I'm just going to do what I feel like and live however I want. And And the truth is this, and it's found in this passage, because why don't I live like that? Because I'm not who I used to be anymore. That's why. I'm not, used, I'm not who I used to be. I've been raised with Christ, in Christ, to walk in newness of life. Now this old flesh is wicked and vile. and It'll do anything evil if I let it do it. But I'm not the same person I used to be. And if you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're not the same person you used to be. Because you were immersed into Christ, immersed into his death. The old man died. We're going to talk about that. And the new man was raised. You're alive. You're alive unto Christ. Do you understand that? Have you ever talked with someone about being saved and they've said something like this? 
Well, if I become a Christian, I'll have to stop doing everything I like and start doing all the things I don't like. You know, I understand that. They're unsaved. They've never been baptized. They've never been immersed into Christ. They've never been immersed into his death. The old man hasn't died. They're under the dominion of sin. They've never been immersed in the resurrection of Christ. They've never participated with Christ in the resurrection. There's nothing new. Why, why would I want to go to church when I can go boating? I guess that's not a good analogy this time of year. Why would I want to meet with Christ's body? Why would I, why would I hear his word? There's nothing new. They are who they are, and, and I want to feed my flesh. An unsaved person might say, I want, to, I want to fulfill the lust of my flesh as much as I can. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what feels good, and I want to fulfill my longings and my passions and my desires. And if I become a Christian, I'm going to have to stop all that. I'm going to have to go to church. No, no one ever tells them that. I'm going to have to read the Bible. I'm going to have to think about those things. I'm going to have to pray. Those things don't interest me at all. And I understand an unsaved person saying that. But the point is that when you and I became a Christian, our interests changed. All of a sudden, what used to interest us, we began to hate. And all of a sudden, what we used to hate, we began to love. Why? Because we aren't who we used to be. It's called a newness of life. And he talks about it at the end of verse number four. There's a transformation. It doesn't happen all at once necessarily. We're not all that we ought to be. But there's a newness of life. A person who has been baptized into Christ's resurrection begins to walk. And that walk, the word walk there means a daily life or a daily conduct. We begin to live differently. And 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If you've been baptized into Christ, you're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, in Christ, we died a real death. And in Christ, we have been raised from the dead. He's talking about spiritual things here. He's not talking about flesh. Psalm 40 and verse 3 says we sing a new song. Ezekiel 18 talks about having a new spirit. Ezekiel 36 says we have a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says we're a new creation. Galatians 6 says we're a new being. Ephesians talks about us being a new man. Revelation 2 says we have a new name. There's something new. It's a new identity. But we're still in this world. We're strangers to it. We're pilgrims in it. And we walk in the light instead of the darkness. You see, you're not the old person you used to be. If you're a born-again child of God, and, and Paul's telling us why. Because you were dead in sin. But when you received Christ, you were baptized into Christ and into his death. The old man died and you were raised a new man. All on that one day in 1984 in downtown Detroit, Michigan, in an old Ford truck, Seth Ferguson. All of this happened in his life. I had no idea. I just thought I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart and to save me. But this is what... This is what baptism, water baptism, illustrates. So water baptism reminds us that everyone receives Christ, that receives Christ, is baptized into Christ. 
It reminds us that we are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection. And I want to develop this just a little bit before we're finished this morning. We're reminded, thirdly, that the dominion of sin, the domination of sin, the reign of sin was destroyed. The Spirit of God wants you to understand this. You have to think with me here. Notice verse number six. Knowing this, it's a fact. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, with Christ. That the body of sin, that's the domination, the dominion of sin, might be destroyed. To what point? What's the purpose of all this? That henceforth, from now on, we should not serve sin. You see, Jesus Christ died in our place so that we could, in him, die. And the old man, the body of sin, the domination, the slave master of sin, uh, would no longer have any, any authority over us anymore. And instead, we would be raised with Christ to serve the living God for the rest of our days. You see, the old man, what we used to be, and we're not what we used to be anymore. The old man is crucified. The word crucify means to destroy or to do away with. It's never used in the book of Romans to speak of eradication or annihilation. In other words, you and I still uh, battle sin in and of our flesh. We can't say that since we've become a Christian, we don't sin anymore. Sin still in our old wicked flesh. And as long as we have this flesh, we're going to battle sin. You say, that's discouraging. Yes, it is. But Paul is saying that when, G- when Jesus Christ was crucified in our place... As our substitute, in him we died, and through death we have been delivered from the bondage of sin. That's what he's saying. Notice verse again, verse number six, the latter part. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. The truth is this. Sin no longer has the same effect. Sin no longer has the same strength. Sin no longer has the same dominion. When we died in Christ, sin no longer was our master. So I can choose to sin, but I don't have to sin. That's a big difference. You say, you say Pastor, I struggle with sin. And, and you could, in your mind right now, you could be very specific. There's some sins. You say, Pastor, I struggle with these sins. You can choose to sin. But if you've been immersed in Christ, if you're in Christ and you've been immersed into his death and his resurrection, you don't have to sin anymore. And if you have to, then there is a good chance that you have never been immersed into Christ. Because the crucifixion of Christ on the cross, in him we died and in him we rose again. When a slave would die, he would be freed from his master. And only at that point. Sin was our master. And when we died, a slave to sin, uh, our master no longer had rule over us. We were freed from sin's domination. So sin is no longer the sovereign of our lives. This morning, in just about uh, 10 minutes or so, when, when you watch someone go under the water... I want you to think of this truth. Sin no longer has dominion in my life. 
In Christ, I died. The old man died. Sin, the dominion of sin was destroyed. It was destroyed. It is finished. It is over. I can choose to sin, but I don't have to sin anymore. You need to remember that truth. One last thought and we'll be done. And notice in verse number six, water baptism reminds us finally that we are no longer, we no longer live to serve sin, but we live to serve God. You know what? If I said this morning, I want to illustrate this to you this morning. And so I've had uh, a couple of the deacons fill a big uh, tank full of water and bring it up on the platform. And I'm asking uh, uh, if uh, Mr. George Medich, would you please come and uh, don't worry, you're going to get wet, but we have towels for you. And we're going to illustrate this spiritual truth. You'd say, that pastor's crazy. You would. You say that's that, that illustration is over the top. I mean, what lengths some pastors go to to illustrate spiritual truths? You'd say he's lost his mind. Do you know that the Lord Jesus Christ only instituted two ordinances that are required of you and of me? And one is the Lord's Supper, which we're going to partake of tonight. And the second one is water baptism. Do you know why? Because he wanted all of us, those who are saved and those of us who may not be saved, he wanted all of us to watch this and to know what it, what it, what it re- represents. He wanted us to ask the question, why are we doing this whole water baptism thing? Why are we doing that? Everybody's dressed up so nice, and here we are at Trinity Baptist Church on a Sunday morning, and now we're going to put three people under the water. Why are we, doing? we could swim during the summer. Why are we doing this? Because he wanted us to think. Have I ever been immersed in Christ as they enter the water? Have I ever died with Christ? Have I ever been raised with Christ? And when I died with Christ, uh, sin no longer has dominion over me. And, and, then, and then this last truth, when I was raised with Christ, it reminds us that we no longer serve sin, we live to serve God. Notice in verse number six, the latter part, he says, that henceforth we should not serve sin, For he that is dead is freed, liberated from sinning, from sin. Notice he continues in verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, and you need to be asking yourself the question, have I ever died in Christ? We believe that we shall also live with him. You see, you can't die in Christ and not be raised in Christ. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. He only had to do it one time. But in that, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth. And notice this, he. Who's who's the he there? He's talking about Christ. He, Christ, liveth unto God. I think we'd all agree with that this morning. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, lives, lives today, and he lives for one reason. Everything he does is to the glory and the praise and the honor of the living God of heaven. Now he says this in verse 11, the beginning part. Likewise, just like Christ, reckon, consider ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive, living unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, 
since we've been immersed into Christ, we're immersed into his death, we're immersed, baptized into his resurrection, the power of sin has been broken that once dominated us, so now we can live in newness of life and we live in this new life with Christ, according to verse number 8. And in verse number 10, notice again the latter part, it says that he, Christ, liveth unto God. I want you to make this connection. Jesus Christ, who lives within us, in everything he does, lives under the glory of God. Jesus Christ, who lives within me, in everything he does, lives under the honor of God the Father. Not Jesus Christ, who's outside of me, but Jesus Christ, who's in me, lives to honor and glorify his Father. How about you? Are you letting the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorified Christ who lives within you, are you letting him live through you to the glory and praise of the Lord Jesus Christ or to to God the Father? Are you letting him do that? So it is because of Christ within us that we long to honor God. It's because of Christ within me that I want to gather with the church, his body. It's because of Christ within me that I want to serve him. And I want to love God. It's because of Christ within me, not because I've changed some things in my life. It's because I used to be dead. And I, frankly, I hated God. And I didn't want to know the truth. I was dead in my sins, and I was, under the, I was a slave to sin. There was no choosing in the matter. I did what sin wanted me to do, and that's it. But when I received Christ, I was baptized into him, into his death. The old man died, the dominion of sin was broken, and I was raised with Christ, baptized into his resurrection, to walk in newness of life. And how is that life lived out? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, raised from the dead by his spirit that lives within me, lives, he lives to honor God. We sang that before early this morning. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives lives today. He walks with me and talks to me along life's narrow way. And in, in everything that we do, Christ wants to live through us. He wants to live through us. The moment we were saved, we were immersed in Christ. We died, we arose to walk in the newness of life, and that life is Christ living in us to please God. The greatest testimony to the resurrection, undoubtedly to me, is the word of God. But there's a second testimony to the resurrection, and it ought to be obvious in your life and in mine. How do I know that Christ arose from the dead? Well, the Bible tells me so. I believe that. I accept that. But there's another testimony. I can look at my wife. And I can look at some of you. And I watch you live your lives. And I watch what you value. And I watch what you love. And you don't love what you used to love anymore. Something died. The old man died. That's what happened. In Christ, you were raised from the dead. And in Christ, who lives within you, who is committed every moment of the day and night to honor his Father, he lives in you. And by the way, this is why some of us 
maybe there's a great struggle in your soul. You say, I am torn to shreds, Pastor Ferguson. I feel like I'm so beat up. You know why? Because you're trying to live to honor the sin in the old man. And Christ is not going to stop wanting to honor and glorify a living God. You know what you and I need to do? We need to say, you know what? I'm going I'm to honor God with my life. And that's what he says in verse 11. Likewise, just like Christ, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Know that you've died to sin. It doesn't have dominion over you anymore, but you're alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice verse number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Wait a minute. Christ lives in me. I've been raised with him to walk in newness of life, but you know what? I can yield my body My body parts is what he's talking about here. Instruments. Your members. I can yield myself to serve sin if I want to. I can try to fulfill the lust of my flesh. I'm going to be miserable doing it. You can do it too. He says, don't do that. But yield ye your members, in verse 13, as instruments of righteousness... Yield yourselves unto God, he says at the beginning or middle part of verse 13, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. I'm going to ask us all to stand to our feet with our feet, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you're coming for baptism, 